Previously on Space Train, Doug and Lydia boarded the fish ship where they came face to face with Maximus Hedrum, also known as the Rocket Man. Maximus told them he had been causing problems for them because he is trying to attract and catch the Purple Rocket. He believes the rocket is following the cadets around during their missions, recording everything that's happening and blasting it out to the universe. He wants to be famous too, so once he catches the rocket, he plans on making it follow him around. Following the advice of the doctor, Doug offered to help catch the rocket by building a massive filter ship that would suck in the rocket when it's within range. Maximus agreed and allowed Doug to build it with the help of the Academy and the Connector. But once it was built, Maximus threw Doug and Lydia into a holding cell so he could attract the rocket with action. Doug and Lydia found themselves in the cell with the other prospective students they had been looking for. And now for Season 2, Episode 15, Golden. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents... Space Train. It's time to be the hero. Maximus Hedrum stood on the surface of Nargon, arms folded, looking up at the stars. All around him, hundreds of fistbots hid behind the giant purple crystals jutting out of the red dirt, anxiously awaiting his command. Come on, Maximus grunted. Where are you, you hunk of junk? Chugga, 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 chugga. Fistbots bobbed excitedly on their metal fingers. Maximus typed a command into one of his metal gloves and rotated his wrist, testing the command's responsiveness. Right on cue, every fistbot rotated on its wrist. He tested other motions. A thumbs up, an A-OK sign, a point. With every gesture, the fistbots mimicked in perfect unison. Chugga, 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 chugga. Crack, The starry sky split, and the space train appeared in an instant, engines roaring. Choo-choo! Maximus laughed. He shot his hand out, and the fistbots charged, jetting out from behind the crystals and flying for the train. The space train's cockpit cannons lowered and took aim. Boom, boom, boom. Lasers ripped through fistbots, turning them into balls of fire. But there were too many. Several bots grabbed onto the cannons and tore them off with a hard yank. Shroom! The train soared right over the top of Maximus, chased by hundreds of fistbots. Ha 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 ha! The rocket man laughed. Here, let me give you a hand. He typed some more into his glove and sent more fistbots charging. 
as the train curved and dove, trying to shake off the bots. Dallas climbed out the top of the caboose. Are you in position, Dallas? Came Goro's voice in his headset. Almost. Just need a second to get in the zone. Radio silence, if you please. The headset went quiet. Taking a deep breath, he slowly exhaled and then started to sing. Edelweiss, Edelweiss, every morning you greet me. His voice deepened as his body ballooned into huge Dallas. He shrugged his massive shoulders and cracked his neck. Surf's up, you little boogers. He stepped into a board, grabbed onto a rope, and jumped off the back of the train. Vroom! The train banked left, making him swing out to the right. Ha <laughs> ha, sick nasty bro! He did a tail grab that smashed two fist spots under the board. Boom, boom! The impact made him flip over to the other side, doing a backflip on his way over. Boom! He landed on top of another bot. These are some spicy waves, Leo. Sure you don't want to join me? Back in the cockpit, Leo shook his head silently and then jerked the joystick some more. Whoa! Dallas stuck out his huge hand. High five, dudes! Whack, boom, whack, whack, boom, boom! He smacked the bots as they zipped by. You gonna drop me off by the fish ship, Gorode? Someone's gotta let the two lovebirds out of their cage. Not yet. There are too many fist spots. We need to thin them out before you make the jump. Too many fist spots, huh? I think I can help with that. He did a 360 spin, exploding a few more bots against the bottom of his board. Boom, boom, boom. Down below, the rocket man glanced anxiously between the sky and Doug's filter ship. I know you're up there, he mumbled. Show yourself! Back in the fist ship's prison cell, Doug, Liddy, and the prospective students were trying to find a way to break out. There's nothing in here we can use to smash down the door, Lydia said. Doug shook his head and sighed. It wouldn't matter. This isn't normal metal. It's some rare material I've never seen before. I'm not sure a strong laser cannon would take this thing down. He thought for a second. It hit him. Everybody empty your pockets. The kids pulled everything out of their pockets and set them on the dark floor before him. The pile looked pretty pathetic. There were some snacks, a pen, a pair of glasses, and a few other useless knickknacks. Doug scooped them up into a neat pile and then stood up, wiggling his arms like he was getting ready to perform a magic trick. Okay, everybody stand back. Confused, the kids backed up and watched. Don't worry, he's got this. Lydia assured them. Doug closed his eyes and summoned what little energy he had left. He pictured something in his mind, held out his hands, and mentally commanded the items to piece together. A few seconds later, he opened his eyes and watched the fragments break, snap, and bend into place. Prospective students watched in amazement. Lydia smiled at them. Finally, it was done. Doug grabbed it out of the air and looked it over. It looked like a small ball of trash. What is it? Lydia asked. I don't know. Doug studied it some more and then, with a shrug, 
he tossed it at the door. It bounced off and broke apart on the floor like a pathetic snowball. Doug looked at it unimpressed before glancing up at Lydia. Any other ideas? Outside, the Rocket Man was getting impatient. This week on the Rocket Man show, he mumbled to himself. Previously on the Rocket Man, the Rocket Man destroyed the space train by barely lifting a finger. Where is it? This isn't working! His jetpack ignited and blasted him off towards the flying space train. Thud, he grabbed onto its side, dug in with his metal gloves and pulled. He ripped a panel off and jumped inside. His boots squeaked on the wooden surface of the rec room car. Balls rolled across the gym as the space train turned from side to side. Maximus rocketed through the huge car and kicked down the door into the next room. You can't hide from me, Goro, he said, marching through the cosmic cafe. Chefbot sprang out from behind the kitchen counter and charged, pots and pans in hand. The rocket man easily fought them off, blocking the strikes with his metal gloves and even crumpling a cast iron skillet like a pop can. Cling, clang, boom, wham, crunch. Punching, throwing, and elbowing, he pushed his way through the attack. One of the chef bots managed to throw a pie in his face. Splat. Maximus froze. A huge glob of whipped cream dripped off his nose. In a rage, he grabbed the bot, lifted it high in the air, and started squeezing its gears. Stop! shouted a voice. Maximus looked between the chef-bot's dangling legs and saw Goro standing in the doorway. Put him down. The rocket man did as he asked, tossing the chef-bot aside. He grabbed a dish towel off a nearby counter and wiped the whipped cream from his face, revealing a smile. So you feel for robots now, do you, Figaro? Now that you are one... I feel for any life form, Maximus, even you. Maximus strutted towards Goro. I'm not sure that's possible. You barely felt for anyone before you were uploaded to a conscious crystal. You probably feel nothing when you look back and think about all the lives you ruined at the Academy. I don't remember everything, Goro admitted. But I do remember enough to know we helped more people than we hurt in our efforts. Every great task has its casualties. Is that what I am, Figaro? A casualty of your failed experiment? He slammed his glove down on a metal table and it split in half. Goro stood firm. The Academy is far from a failure. It lives on and inspires countless individuals throughout the universe. Just because we were not able to inspire you does not make it a failure. Maximus stopped in front of Goro and looked him up and down. Oh, I was inspired, all right. Inspired to come back and destroy everything you stand for. And in the process, consume all your limelight at one brilliant flash of glory. Tell me, if a hollow robot such as yourself can feel, how does it feel to stand there and look up at a superior enemy who once looked up to you? Goro's stern expression softened. He looked at Maximus sadly. I can't... I don't remember. Maximus frowned. 
What don't you remember? You, Maximus. Maximus seemed to shrink. I, I wish I could, Goro continued. But ever since my conscious crystal was rebuilt, my memories are hazy. Pieces, jumbled fragments of what they once were. I don't remember many of my past students. It torments me every day. I'm sorry, Maximus. I'm sorry if you felt I failed you or overlooked you in some way. My intentions were good, but being overly focused on the task at hand, I am sure I was not sensitive enough to those around me. I am not sorry out of fear. I am sorry because I can clearly see the catastrophic consequence of my carelessness. The anger and desperation it has fueled. Nothing can justify what you've done, but I ask your forgiveness nonetheless for whatever pain I have caused. Maximus trembled. You can't apologize to me? You can't play the righteous hero and pretend all is well? I reject your apology. I reject everything you and the Academy stands for. I reject you! He went to throw a punch, but Goro caught his gloved fist. Maximus stared at his caught hand in shock. Goro leaned in. Get off my train. He pushed Maximus back, and he went tumbling over the tables. Maximus jetpacked to his feet and charged his fists. He swung wildly. Cling, clang, clunk. Goro blocked the punches with his own metal hands, occasionally punching through a thrown chair or table. Goro moved with incredible speed. Every step was precise. His blocks were swift and accurate. Cling, clang, cling. The rocket man threw everything he had at the robot conductor. Punches, chairs, pots, pans. All of it deflected. Finally, he reached for a chef bot, and with one ferocious grab, he threw it at the window. Goro dove and caught the bot before it could reach the glass. The two robots landed hard on a table and slid across it. Before Goro could get back up, Maximus jumped on him, pinning him down. His huge metal gloves held Goro's arms and squeezed. Oh, Goro, always paying attention to the wrong people. He squeezed his gloves, making Goro's gears spark. The metal casing along Goro's side started to crumple. Suddenly, the cosmic cafe door opened and music thumped into the room. The rocket man stopped squeezing. He and Goro looked up to see Leo stepping into the room, dressed in a long yellow coat and cool McGruff shades. A lightning bolt was buzzed into the sides of his curly hair. He pointed to his wrist, twirled his finger, and then folded his arms. What is he saying? Maximus roared. Goro's scream mouth smiled. Time to get funky. In one swift motion, Leo whipped his coat back, unholstered two sound blasters at his sides, and blared tunes at the rocket man. The pulsar sound blast launched the rocket man off Goro and sent him crashing through the window. Goro slowly looked back at Leo. I thought I told you not to build sound blasters. Leo shrugged. Goro nodded. 
I'm glad you didn't listen. Doug and Lydia are still trapped down there. Go get them. Leo ran over to the shattered window. And Leo? Goro stopped him. Hit the base. Leo grinned and pressed a button on his belt, making two McGruff boombox speakers pop up over each shoulder. Shoo! The music blared as he jetpacked out of the cosmic cafe. Flying for the surface, he twisted and fired his blasters, exploding dozens of fist spots on his way down. He crossed his arms and fired. He reached back and shot behind him. He shrugged a bass note, all vaporizing any bot within reach of the unstoppable sound waves. He landed on the surface and ran into the rocket man's fish ship. Back in the prison cell, Doug was carrying Liddy on his shoulders so she could find a way to escape in the ceiling. Will you stop wobbling? You're gonna drop me. Ugh, your legs keep kicking me in the gut. Oh, hold on. You hear that? Everyone in the room went quiet. Music was coming down the hall. Doug quickly helped Lydia off his shoulders. Is that who I think it is? Doug put his ear to the door and listened. He turned back to Lydia and the other kids. It's him! Doug, out of the way! Oh, oh, oh yeah! Doug quickly moved out of the way and stood next to the others. The bass dropped and boom! A pulsar sound blast blew the door off its hinges. Doug could see the yellow coat through the dust. McGruff, how did you... He stopped himself. Leo? He and Lydia said together. Leo briefly broke character to give them a friendly wave. Doug shook his head. Mixin' Leo, so this is what you've been up to. Leo bounced his eyebrows over his shades and tossed them each a blaster. Thanks. Doug caught his and charged it. Okay, let's go. He, Lydia, and Leo led the prospective students out of the fist ship. The first thing they saw when they reached the outside was huge Dallas surfing behind the space train, whacking fist spots and laughing maniacally. Oh, sick dudes! Leo moved his arms like a robot and then pretended to collapse. Goro's injured? Lydia interpreted. Leo nodded. Where is he? Doug asked. Leo pointed up at the train and then pretended to eat. The Cosmic Cafe? Lydia looked back at him. Then who's flying the train? Leo pretended to type on a keyboard. It's on autopilot? Leo gave her a thumbs up. Doug saw that the fistbots were making their way to the Cosmic Cafe's shattered window. He looked between the window and the filter ship. Leo, Lydia, watch over the students. I'll be right back. Dallas! Dallas was in the middle of a tail grab smackdown. Oh, hey there, Capitan. Goro's injured in the Cosmic Cafe, and the bots are headed that way. Protect him. Aye, aye, Cap. Wait a second. If Gorman's in the cafe, and you three are down there, who's... Nobody. Well, that would have been nice to know. Huge Dallas pulled himself along the rope until he was back on the train. He dropped down into the caboose and ran for the Cosmic Cafe. His enormous body thundered through the train cars. He reached the Cosmic Cafe just in time to intercept the fist spots as they came crawling in through the broken window. Wham! Boom! With wide, pounding swings, he smashed the bots as soon as they appeared. 
Boom! Smash! He grabbed two of them and rammed them into each other. Crusher time! Down below, the Rocket Man woke from his daze and staggered to his feet. Scanning his surroundings, he saw Doug running for the filter ship, Dallas fighting off fist spots on the train, and Lydia and Leo firing at bots that were getting too close to the prospective students. He typed a command into one of his gloves, redirecting more fist spots in Doug's direction. Then he flew back up to the broken window of the Cosmic Cafe and stepped inside. Not bad, Dallas, he laughed. But you can't fight them off forever. Oh, yeah? Boom! Watch me. Boom! Wham! Boom! Dallas, this is our moment. Just me and you. The Rocket Man versus the Crusher. Think of the fame our battle would get. You'd be back in the spotlight where you rightly belong. When our fists collide, the whole universe will be watching. Come on, let the old talking computer go. Dallas hesitated and glanced down at Goro, who lay injured at his feet. The rocket man pointed down to Doug, who was now fighting off the dozens of fistbots who were keeping him from reaching the filter ship. Or are you just gonna keep taking orders from a captain who is smaller, weaker, and younger than you? Maximus glanced upward for any sign of the rocket. Dallas smashed a few more attacking the spots. Dallas! Maximus's tone was almost friendly. No one on this team appreciates your unique talents, especially not that hunk of junk you're protecting. Leave him. Fight me for glory! Dallas grabbed two fist spots and smashed them together. As their sparks floated away, he scooped up Goro and tossed him over his shoulder. Nah. He ran towards the back of the train. You fool! Maximus roared. He pressed a button on his glove and dozens of fist spots chased after Dallas. Dallas's massive body bulldozed through the train cars, running with long, thunderous strides. Goro flailed on his shoulder. Behind him, fistbots scurried along the floor, walls, and ceiling. They ran through the train rec room, the planetarium, the theater. They ran through the dance car, the arcade, the living quarters. They ran through every car until Dallas reached the caboose. He jumped inside and slammed a button on the wall, shutting the door just before the fistbots could reach it. Outside, the rest of the bots had turned their attention to keeping Doug from reaching the filter ship. Doug had tried a couple of times to build a bigger blaster, but never had a spare second to focus on a build. Instead, Lydia and Leo had come running over to join in the fight. Looks like you could use some help, Lydia said, blasting a few fist spots before they could attack Doug from behind. Oh, please, you just wanted an excuse to get close to me. What? You heard me. You just couldn't resist. Lydia scoffed. <laughs> Don't flatter yourself. She envisioned a fistbot flying at the back of her head and was able to duck before it actually reached her. She finished it off with a couple well-placed blasts. Doug glanced back at her. So why'd you come over here then? Maybe because I care about you? Why do you care about me? Lydia paused and glared at him. Are you really gonna make me say it? Yeah, 
I am! I want to hear you say it! Fine! I like you, okay? For one glorious moment, Doug couldn't care less about the fist spots. Lydia's adorable, sweaty, frustrated face suppressed a smile. Her red hair glowed around her like a halo. Leo looked between them and bounced his eyebrows. Doug smiled a big, goofy smile and nodded. She likes me! He held out his hands and mind-built faster than he'd ever mind-built before. Pieces of fist spots flew off the ground and joined together in a tornado of creation. Doug walked through it, and as he stepped out the other end, he had two huge blaster cannons jutting out from either hip. A spray of lasers shot out of the flashing muzzles and tore through fist spots. Lydia shook her head and laughed before jumping back into the fight. They fought side by side, ducking, firing, spinning, diving, picking each other up, firing some more, spinning. It was almost like a dance. A dance even more exhilarating than their first dance on his birthday. Better than a birthday. Better than a thousand birthdays. Lasers glowing around them, fist spots exploding like fireworks. Doug had never felt more alive. Back in the caboose, fist spots pounded on the door, trying to break in. Dallas braced himself for another fight. Goro lay at his feet. The slimy room was slippery and hard to stand in. The green, gooey lair made Dallas feel like he was trying to balance on a water slide. Goro grabbed onto him before he could slip and fall. Thank you for saving me, Dallas. What do you think I was gonna do? I don't know. I was obviously hoping you'd choose to save me, but I've been betrayed before. Not by this guy. Your perfect metal stash will stay right where it is so long as you're with me. Goro's stash turned up in a smile. I appreciate that. Dallas noticed something approaching out the caboose window. It was a ship, shaped like a long sword. It stopped just outside. After several seconds, little colorful dots started shooting out of it and flying towards the train. Goro struggled to see out the window from the ground. What is it? Is it another attacker? Dallas shook his head. Nope. Buckle up. It's about to get real messy. He knocked on the door. You shouldn't have touched the caboose, bros. Big no-no. Splat! Blobby's orange face splattered onto the window. <laughs> Blobbert, about time, you little booger. Splat, 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 splat. Gorfy splattered onto the caboose and bounced onto the train. Dallas could hear shrieking chirps, clicks and purrs on the other side of the door, followed by thuds and bangs. Then, silence. Dallas waited a few more seconds before opening the door. On the other side, fistbots lay covered in slime. Their fingers gooped together, their jets clogged. In the middle of them, Blobby, his adorable companion, and their friends and family bounced up and down excitedly. 
Dallas laughed. Pretty soon, the Gorfies were outside, joining the fight on the ground. The chaos had reached fever pitch. Fist spots exploded from laser blasts and sound waves. They were gooped midair by a Gorfie attack. In the middle of it all, the Rocket Man watched, thrilled with the pandemonium he'd created. That's it. Action! More action! For a split second, he saw it. A streak of purple zipped by overhead. It was gone before he could get a good look. Boom! There it was again. And again, and again, and again. The rocket man beamed. It's here! Out of my way! He charged through the battle, pushing the fist spots, blocking the filter ship aside. He reached the big red button on the side of the filter ship. Wham! He slammed it with his huge metal glove. Come to Papa. As the filter ship hummed to life, the rocket man flipped head over heel, up several feet until thunk, he stuck to the side. Thunk, 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 thunk. Fist spots sucked towards the filter ship and stuck to it. Thunk, 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 thunk. Hundreds of them yanked off the battlefield as if being tugged by an invisible string until plunk, they smacked into the side of the filter ship and froze. Blasters flew out of the cadets' hands and joined them, sticking to the side of the ship. Doug, Lydia, Leo, and all the Gorfies watched in awe as the Rocket Man's massive fist ship slid across the powdery surface and then lifted off the ground and stuck to the filter ship's side, narrowly missing the Rocket Man by a few feet. Next, the space train, despite its firing autopilot thrusters, was pulled back and attached to the filter ship, one car at a time. The engines groaned and sputtered as it struggled against the invisible force. With Goro over his shoulder, Dallas poked his head out of the caboose and looked down. What the heck? Down below, Lydia shook her head. I don't understand. This isn't how the filter ship's supposed to work. What's happening? It's not sucking. It's like it's being pulled in by a... a... A magnet? Doug finished. He looked at her and smiled. You built a giant magnet? Dudes, did I hear you say giant magnet? Dallas looked around at the filter ship and shook his head. Whoa. Goro slipped out of his hands and stuck to the side of the ship as well. Don't be alarmed. I'm okay. It was like a giant fly trap, twitching with hundreds of little flies. Everything stuck to it was primarily metal. The fist bots, the fish ship, the space train, the rocket man's chest plate and gloves, that long purple thing. Long purple thing? Look! Duck pointed to a long, shiny purple object stuck to the top of the filter ship's side. There was a long silence as Doug and Lydia looked at each other. The purple rocket, they both said. It's time to be the
Rocketeers, one more episode of this season of Space Train to Go. Woo! That was pretty intense. Holy cow. I hope you enjoyed that uh, Doug and Lydia moment. (laughs) That was probably my favorite part. Anyway, hope you enjoyed it. If you are liking the podcast, Rocketeers, Let me know. Leave a review, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. Uh, Shoot me an email, however you want to share feedback. I'd love to hear what you think. I've really enjoyed this season of Space Train. It's, uh, I don't know, it's been a lot of fun. One more episode. I'm kind of bummed, but I'm excited to move on to the next uh, series, which I'm going to keep a surprise for now. I want to thank all the patrons on Patreon who are supporting this podcast and making it possible for me to get some help with the audio editing. Huge, huge help. Thank you so much, patrons. You can go to patreon.com slash purplerocketpodcast if you'd like to support the show. And I want to give a special shout-out to some patrons, Jack, Chase, and Liam from Aurora, Colorado. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Aurora, Colorado, really close to where I'm at in southern Colorado. Pretty cool, guys. I actually lived in Castle Rock, which was super, super close to where you're at. So anyway, thanks a lot for supporting the show. Thank you, Mom Roxanne, for editing the story and for Jeremy from HarmoniousIdeas.com for helping edit the audio. Rocketeers, if you ever hear a sponsor at the beginning of these episodes, please check them out. It's a great way to help support the podcast. Engage with them and support them if possible. I'm going to read a review from Apple Podcasts. This is five stars. It says, love all the stories, and it's from Heavenly Butterfly. I love these stories. Listen to them before bed with three of my siblings. I am the oldest of four, and I love this. I'm 11 and a Harry Potter and Pokemon fan. Awesome. Thanks for that feedback. I love that you're spending some time with your siblings and listening to these stories. And I'm guessing there's a wide range in ages in there. If you're the, the oldest at 11, and uh, I don't know how old your youngest sibling is, but that is so cool. That's what I've really been going for with this story is, you know, hopefully be able to draw in listeners anywhere from, I don't know, 5 to 12 and on up. And parents, I want parents to be able to enjoy too. And I, if I'm being honest, I'm wanting to enjoy it more than anything else. So I'm trying to entertain myself with these. But I love that. When families can listen together and enjoy these stories, that's the best. And a Harry Potter and Pokemon fan. I remember when I had Pokemon carts for the first time, Rocketeers, and it was big, you know, the, the time when everybody's trading the cards, you can get them at like gas stations. And it, it was like such a huge deal if you got a holographic card. Is that what they're called? Holographic where they like kind of like shimmer and shine. And I remember I think I had like a holographic Charizard or something. And I was so pumped. And I got swindled out of my Pokemon cards by some older kid who was like, oh, I'll trade you this like I'll I'll trade you my Squirtle for 20 of your cards. And I clearly just, I had no idea. Yeah, how much like these cards were worth, like point wise and stuff. I think I just got totally swindled in a trade or something. But uh, it was is a very short lived Pokemon career. Okay, it's very short lived. But Pokemon was fun. I remember that being super cool. And Harry Potter. I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but it has taken me years to finish Harry Potter, and it's because I have to push myself to read. I'm a reluctant reader. I love doing it when I actually am into it, but sitting down and having the patience to really go through and read, it's always taken a lot. I I had, I think fourth grade, I had a teacher that really got me into reading and I was just eating books. And then something happened. Something happened like a couple years after that. I just... 
I don't know if it's video games or what, what lame thing got in the way, but it really uh, slowed me down when it kind of just distracted me from books for years. And it's a big regret. And I've tried to get back into reading and I love it. I love it. Just finding the time at the end of the day after work and the podcast, everything I'm doing, it's taken a long time to read Harry Potter. I'm finally finishing it. It's taken me so long, but really fun, really cool series. It definitely gets more mature on the towards the end of that series. I'm sure parents, you guys have noticed that too. I'm like, oh, wow, this is getting kind of intense. But yeah, so cool. Thank you so much for that review. I have to read this other Apple review because it's relevant to this story. It's from Nelly Yan. Five stars. It says, please make more of Doug and Lydia. You should make an episode of Lydia's vision. And she like tells Doug her vision and he and she get married. And there, this is awesome. I love it, you guys. I love that you're getting into the characters. That's the best. If we can relate to or get into the characters... Whoo, I remember some of those uh, early crushes I had, you know, in elementary school where it was like, whoo, felt very real. So uh, anyway, this is kind of fun that you guys are connecting with the Doug and Lydia subplot here. Yeah, I could share some personal experiences, backstory on that, but pretty fun. I'm glad you guys have connected with that. Rocketeers, thank you so much again for listening, for telling friends and family, for sharing it on social media. It's the best, and I appreciate all the feedback I get. Don't forget to tune in for the season finale coming to you soon. Till next time, this is your host, Greg Webb.